the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We're the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more. All from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Alex. That's right! Alex Renkamp is in the house, everybody! And Alex is a patron. Not just any patron. He's a golden girl. Thank you for being a friend. And for your golden girl membership, you get to join us for an episode... Uh, at least once a year is how we're trying to do it. And for your first episode, you're bringing us Space Camp, Silverhawks, and we are recasting Silverhawks. But before we dive more into that, tell us a little bit about yourself, man. I'm just kind of a normal guy. I, I don't have a podcast. I'm just, uh, you know, working in an office for a bank. And uh, I've got a five-year-old son who, fortunately, I've been introducing to a lot of uh nostalgic things and often i'll use the blast from our past podcast as inspiration of okay let's watch this next watch let's watch this next so a lot of the shows that you guys have talked about and, and movies i've already shown him and and he absolutely loves it nice when it comes to the finding the podcast i uh, as adam you you noted on a uh, patron exclusive episode uh, i was a fan of the youtube channel uh, fbe mm-hmm. where i i was where I watched a lot of the staff reacts, and of course I saw you, and I started following a lot of the staff members, and mm-hmm. I you posted about Blasmer Past, and I really enjoyed it. I used to drive into work 45 minutes each day, and I would listen to it, you know, and so I've been listening probably, I think coming up about three years or so. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. We, I mean, we just, uh, you pretty much from the beginning then, because, yeah, we've only been going for uh, just a little over three years. Yeah, you've been one of our absolute longest fans. Um, I remember, and John, fix me if I'm wrong on this one, but I believe you, Alex, you were the first person who ever reached out to us who wasn't, like, one of, like, our friends or one yeah. of our... Somebody, first person who, like, sent us an email saying, hey, guys, I'm really enjoying the show, and that meant a lot to us. Yeah, so I, I mean, I was, I, was, I was literally going to bring that up, that I... Pretty okay. sure you are our first fan of, of who was not someone we knew, and I, I probably sent some sort of goofy response like, "Oh, thank you very much, yada yada." But like, it literally meant the world to us. Doing a podcast every single week can get draining, can get tiring, and so when fans reach out, it is oh god, it, it just makes you feel that much more motivated. Um, and you were so nice uh, that it, it's just it's fantastic. I'm really excited to be doing this episode now. Speaking of this episode, it took you to become a golden girl to, to get this one <laughs> happening, but you have been asking for Space Camp for a while. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I remember you bringing it up, and John and I were like, okay, yeah, maybe we'll get to it. But I will tell you straight up the reason that this has not been on our list to do so far. This is the first time I watched Space Camp. How about you, John? It is the first time I've watched Space Camp. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and so I, ha- I had a feeling that was going to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, all right, Space Camp from 1986. Uh, John, could you uh, set our minds back to that fantastic year, only one year after the greatest person ever was born? That was me, of course. <clears throat> but yeah, great year. All right, so the movie came out on June 6th, 1986, the Billboard Top 100 single that week. 
is a uh, Whitney Houston cover of a George Benson song called Greatest Love of All. That's the one that starts out, I believe the children are future. <laughs> Teach them well, Hen. Like, oh, Mr. Randy Watson does, I think, maybe the greatest <laughs> version ever. I decided long ago Never to walk in any one shadow If I fail, if I succeed You can't take away my dignity Because the greatest love of all inside of me sexual chocolate sexual chocolate chocolate. (laughs) Uh, no surprise the uh, topping the Nielsen ratings was the Cosby show that week Uh, and the New York Times bestseller was a novel by a British author named John Le Carre and I think that was actually a pseudonym uh, it was called A Perfect Spy. He mostly did uh, British spy novels. I looked it up just because I was curious about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, there was another video game that was going to come out later. But at this time, probably the biggest video game that kids were playing right now, Legend of Zelda, came out earlier that year. I mean, okay. I mean, there's it's huge. Mario might be the only bigger name in Nintendo than Zelda. So mm-hmm. that was pretty big. And um, I think I probably brought it up before, but it seemed apropos to talk about it just a little bit for this one in 1986 was the Challenger explosion. Oh, yeah. Uh, Very, very topical. Obviously, we're talking Space Camp and Silverhawks. We're very um, space-oriented episode. So, Alex, you even picked right like on a theme as well. (laughs) So that's super cool. Yeah, and a- <laughs> apparently this movie was slated to come out earlier in the year, but uh, the explosion uh, of the Challenger uh, pushed it way back because people didn't want to kind of associate because the the movie was supposed to be just sort of like a fun little thing, and it was mm-hmm. it was too fresh on people's minds, so they pushed it to later in the year. But even still, even still, it, it I think part of the uh, the memory of the Challenger was still too close, and so I think that it was mm-hmm. working against Space Camp from the very beginning. You're probably yeah. right. Absolutely makes sense. All right. Well, then, uh, without further ado, wait, Adam. Spa- we have a further ado. We have a further. Oh, we have a do. We have a much ado. Not about nothing, but about a big thing. Uh, we have a new patron. Yes, that's huge. We have a new Muppet baby. Oh, Muppet baby. And I apologize. I am probably going to butcher this name. It's Asha, I believe. No, no, no. Not the first name. The last name. I, oh. I, I'm pretty fir- sure I could figure out Asha. Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it's either Asha Osif or Asha Yusuf. I'm not quite sure which uh, way they're going to pronounce it. Um, now, uh, I think it's I think it's Yusuf, and okay. I, only because I absolutely recognize the name. Mm-hmm. Um, she has been on yeah, the Trivial Warfare, okay. uh, and I think Things That Are Blank. I think she had a long run on Things That Are Blank. Uh, so she's definitely in the uh, Oaks Media Group fan group and, and, and probably has seen us from that as well. So, yeah. That is awesome. Thank you so much, Asha, for being a patron huge for us um any support uh helps keep some of the lights on and things like that so thank you so much all right i was trying to just see if we had any new reviews or uh yeah 
You know what? I don't know if we mentioned this review, John. Okay. From Blue Lily Seventeen. This is back from September fourth. Uh, but honestly, I haven't I haven't checked reviews in a long time because <laughs> we just don't get a whole bunch of them. This person wrote a five star review. OMG. I just found this podcast, and John and Adam are hilarious. You can certainly tell they are brothers, which is a lot of fun. I can't wait to listen to more episodes. Nice. So sweet and simple. Thank you. Nice. Oh, man. They, they we used to only funny. have, like, one one non-five-star review, and now we've got, like, one four, one three, one two. Zero, zero, zero one stars so far, though. <laughs> and then four, 45. Who's, give, who's giving you two stars? I don't, oh, what, I don't know. It doesn't tell me. What the hell? It doesn't tell me. 40, Probably my 45 wife. 45 five-stars, though. 45 five is pretty good. So, uh, <laughs> all right. Now, let's get into Space Camp. All right, Space Camp from 1986, directed by Harry Weiner. Uh, he's done mostly other TV shows, things like, or TV shows, things like Dawson's Creek, Felicity, Veronica Mars. Um, also did that house, or did that movie House Arrest, if you guys saw that. Uh, it's from the 90s. I kind of remember it, mm. but not that much. No. This movie, boating very ill will, uh, the writer <laughs> on this film, Clifford Green, one of his other credits that stood out to me, John, Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. Yeah. Is something that he wrote. I saw that oh, before no. watching. Yeah. That was, um, was that foreshadowing on Adam's thoughts? <laughs> maybe, maybe <laughs> not. Music. Holy shit. When I saw that credit, that made me happy, though. Yeah. This guy, I guess this guy really loves his uh, space music, though. John Williams. Super awesome. Yeah. You can't go wrong so, with John I mean, Williams. You, when you think of John Williams, you automatically think of Space Camp, the movie, right? I mean, that's just commonplace, <laughs> right? <laughs> Immediately. Uh, and then going through some of our cast here, Andy is played by Kate Capshaw, who most everyone should know from Temple of Doom. Uh, Catherine is played by Leah Thompson, who people would know from Back to the Future, Howard the Duck, Caroline in the City. Tish is played by Kelly Preston. She was in Twins. Uh, then you see her twins in the movie Mischief. Uh, she was also in Jerry Maguire. <laughs> um, but un unfortunately, she passed away earlier this year. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then... She was Rudy married to was John played... Travolta, wasn't she? She was. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, like, that's kind of what I remember her maybe most from, which yeah. is unfortunate because it's like, she could have done so much better <laughs> than John Travolta. <laughs> I mean, John Travolta in like the, you know, 80s. That's that's high, that's peak Travolta, uh, yeah. but like later in the '90s, uh, I'd say after Face Off, it's it's like a cliff dive for for, for Travolta, in my opinion. You're not a big but, fan of Battlefield Earth. No, it didn't didn't do it for me. <laughs> okay. But Hairspray, he was so great. Oh, I hated him in Hairspray. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> Fuck you. No, that was so bad. Oh. It also it also hurt me. Because Divine was such a good job in like yeah. the original Hairspray, and then they like have John Travolta, and it's just like, ugh. But that's my thought. Some people like it. <laughs> um, Rudy was played by Larry B. Scott. Most of us know him um, from Revenge of the Nerds. I absolutely mm -hmm. recognize him most from that, and he's also been in Karate Kid and some other things. Max was played by Joaquin Phoenix, who went by Leaf Phoenix in this mm -hmm. one with a lot of his earlier when he was a kid. This is his first movie. Oh, I didn't even notice. This was his very first this feature. This is his very first movie. Yep, this is his first feature. And you can tell. <laughs> his, <laughs> his, um, he doesn't quite have that walk the line or Joker 
quality of acting yet in this one. I mean, granted, he was probably 10. <laughs> no, I don't know what you expected, 12. Adam. Yeah, well, I, I expected Joaquin Phoenix. I saw, <laughs> all right, I'm getting Joaquin. No, no, no. He's, he was still Leaf. He hadn't become he the still... Joaquin, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. He hasn't become yet. Yeah. Once he dropped the Leaf, then he was yeah. he better. Yes, he did. Uh, Kevin is played by Tate Donovan. John, you and I talked about him in the movie Hercules. He did the voice of Hercules. Oh. He's also been in Argo. I remember him maybe best uh, from the movie Love Potion Number 9, which is the Sandra Bullock kind of rom-com. Mm. And then the last person I'm going to bring up so far is Zach, played by Tom Skerritt, who we talked about in Top Gun. He's been in Pick- Picket Fences, Alien. Um, he is a, uh, a very strong actor. Oh, yeah. All right, before we get into the breakdown, Alex, I want you to regale us with why space camp you know what about this movie why is it so nostalgic to you why did you pick this one all right so space camp i actually did not watch space camp as a kid either i um so it's not in that nostalgic vein but um space camp became a huge part of my life because after college i worked at space camp for five years and it was Whoa. the mm. best it was the best job i ever had i got to be a space counselor a space camp counselor i got to uh travel for space camp i went uh, around the country promoting space camp um i met my wife at space camp she was a counselor too um we have great friends who are space camp counselors and so i think it was yeah i think the first time i ever watched this movie was around you know, 2008 uh when i started and so it has that thought, of, you know, anytime I look at it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I worked there. I got to see all this. And so when I watched the movie, we kind of had this joke as counselors of watching the movie. And every time there was a, an inaccuracy, we would take a shot. But unfortunately, that would probably have killed <laughs> us within the first 30 minutes. So um, so that's why that's why I chose Space Camp, because of, you know, it it's defined basically who I was mm-hmm. since after college. That's sweet. Not- yeah, that is a, an incredibly personal story. It's cool. And actually, actually, because of Space Camp, my wife and I both have IMDb credits. <laughs> really? Really? What, yeah, is your, what, was, is your, yeah, what is your credit? The, the movie was called Space Warriors. Uh, and it was filmed, I think, around t- uh, 2012. And it, it had... 2013, I'm seeing. 20, 2013. Um, and there was, uh, at the very beginning, there was a nine-foot inflatable astronaut mascot named Tops who uh, my wife and I, we, we were in those at different times, but we got credited for uh, in the movie. Nice. As Danny so, Glover, uh, Dermot Mulroney, Mira mm-hmm. Sorvino. Okay. Interesting. Directed by Sean McNamara. He's done some stuff that I remember, I think. Nope. <laughs> I lied. <laughs> I think he did. He did uh, I think Soul Surfer. Um, oh, yeah. That lady. Okay. I never yeah, saw yeah, yeah. it, but I, I, you know he does like family fun yeah you know, i see that movie look at He's that a producer on producer I on see, even stevens i see your name right there yep yep i'm the Very only cool. one in this in this uh skype call without an imd imdb credit <laughs> yeah sucker <laughs> step it up john it's a great icebreaker <laughs> <laughs> all right okay let's start our breakdown of space camp and we start off with a girl who looks up at the stars she wants to be an astronaut we uh, then see, I, I like the cut here because she's like, you know, I'm going up. Uh, and then the next cut, we cut to Zach, who's like, you know, uh, or, or Andy, who says, oh, man, I, I wasn't picked to go up. Um, so obviously that was her when she was younger. So instead of her going up to space, which she says, uh, I guess I, you know, she says she mentions a little offhand comment that that Zach got to walk on the moon. I think something like that. 
Yeah, I think she was like she. It was um, you're not gonna be the only person in this family to walk on the moon, which is total crap because no one walked on the moon in the shuttle program. No one's walked on the moon since 1972. Yeah. So I don't know what she's yeah. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there was, was there were no Zacks that have. I've just got the list of the people who uh, <laughs> have walked on the moon. There wasn't any. They just complete bullshit at that. <laughs> Only twelve people so far. Yeah, and, and it was in a very short span of years. Like at the same time, I get it. You know, do we? What else is there to do? <laughs> There's not not much going on unless we. You know, but it's still it makes sense to like eventually just do more and more with that. I don't know. Are y'all Alex? Are you interested in the? people who want to go to Mars and like colonize it and like, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it, I think it's a worthwhile, uh, venture. Uh, actually while at space camp, there was a young girl who like, she, she went to every single program and she's done all these NASA programs and, and she always said she was going to be the first person on Mars. And she said it with the most confidence and it, she wasn't like, Think, it wasn't a dream it was just like this statement of fact she's like oh yeah i'm gonna be the first person on on mars and I've, i saw her in the news recently and she's doing all these nasa programs and I, from as far as i can tell she's actually could do it i think i saw wow. that i saw that article about this girl That's who's incredible. done like everything so it's probably the same girl yeah so I'm with uh, I'm with Alex. I I personally believe that you know are I mean will we get some scientific things out of going to Mars and into the Moon? Yes. Um, are they probably going to be like huge like defying things? No. But the process of getting us there is going to develop us um, in you know technologically in ways that we don't know yet because we have to solve problems we don't know that we have to solve. And when we do that, we're going to grow technologically as a society. So trying to do the hard thing is inherently in our best interest. I agree. Uh, we could use something that would help bring together this country with a lot of stuff. And I think maybe pushing for Mars might be a good good way to do it. Mm. So. so space camp. Uh, Andy and Zach are instead going to be, you know, Zach's the director of the space camp with clean cut all American kids. He's very excited about, <laughs> <laughs> about his kids. We then meet... Kevin, oh, what a douche. I wanted to punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah, he drives up with his brand new Jeep, and he's just an entitled little shit who doesn't care about anything but himself. But uh, he does have a great song playing in the background or playing on his radio, Forever Man by Eric Clapton. How many times must I tell you, babe? How many bridges I got to cross? How many times must I uh, and that was pretty awesome. So I appreciated that. He's got a good taste in music. I have to say, so I this, like the soundtrack for this, not not including the score for by John Williams, but the soundtrack, actually pretty decent. Yeah. Some decent songs in there. Absolutely agree. So we then meet Catherine, who flies in with a, a little, like, a crop duster plane that with her dad. Kevin, you know, obviously he's a little bit of a horn dog. And who wouldn't be? It's <laughs> Leah Thompson. I've already I've already kind of mentioned she's, she's my top 80s girl. He uh, sneaks his way onto her color team uh we also meet some of the other kids we meet rudy we meet tish tish is she's acts very bimbo but she's got like a photographic memory that's yeah. kind of i like that little twist on her yeah and you know a couple of things about space camp real quick number one is it's not in florida you know the the, the, the space camp is actually in huntsville alabama so there was mm-hmm. a, a space camp uh, in florida for a while but the original space camp was and still is in Huntsville, Alabama. 
um, which is the home of uh, the Redstone Arsenal, which is where they, they developed a lot of the rockets uh, that would take Alan Shepard to be the first American in space mm. and the Shepard and the uh, Saturn V rocket, which took the astronauts to the moon. Nice. Yeah. John, did we we went to Huntsville once, didn't we, or did we not? We we did. I think we visited yeah. the location. We didn't actually go to space camp. Yeah, we were not. Uh, we could not afford to go not cool. to space camp. But it's you know it's also a museum too. Yeah, so that's mm-hmm. why. Yeah, yeah you I think connect, that's what we did. Yeah, they, with the U.S. Space and Rocket Center. Uh, I mean, so Alex, have you always had like this just passion for space and and things like that? I mean, for for working for a space camp for five years, that's that's passion right there. Um, I, you know, I, I did enjoy space. I actually did go to space camp once as a kid. Um, and so space things always did interest me. Uh, but the reason how I got there was more like more, was more of the education route because I was going to be a teacher, um, and ended up not doing that, but instead of teaching at space camp, which was fantastic because working at space camp, it has piqued an interest. And so I tend to, you know, be drawn to that kind of information and, um, those kind of movies and anything space related. Mm-hmm. So that so it it kind of it was space camp first, and then that's what piqued my interest more. Okay, nice. Uh, let's see. Oh, we also meet Max, who is uh, this little little kid who, you know, they finally allow him onto their group because he's pushed so hard, and he is obsessed with Star Wars. Um, and immediately my note was, yeah, not the great actor we have now. He is just definitely a kid actor and, and not as great of a kid actor as his, as his brother. Cause I'm trying to like, you know, just even comparing his, his role in this to uh, river Phoenix in something like stand by me. Not quite, not quite there yet, but he does get there eventually as we all know. Yeah. And it, it was painful to watch for me as an old count, as a former counselor, because <laughs> at no point would we just let people randomly come onto our teams. It was very well organized. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> Kevin Donaldson would be on whatever team he was. And Catherine would be working with Hideo Takamini uh, right, instead yes. of uh, which I, is the fantastic name. I don't know why, but. The, the name Hideo Takamini is he's, he's a legend at space camp. <laughs> <laughs> but it is you're right. I mean, like Andy obviously notices that it's it's off that it's, he's not the one in in their group, and yet she just kind of allows it. Like that that doesn't sound like a very good strong uh, counselor. Well, it it doesn't opinion. sound like Andy was particularly hyped about this job. True. So she probably wasn't going to make a particularly good counselor yeah. but this is this must have been at least her second year because she knew max from the year before oh good call oh fair enough yeah i didn't think about that that's a good call so all right i'm gonna shut my mouth <laughs> <laughs> so kevin yeah he kind of talks his way into the group uh Catherine really wants to be shuttle commander and andy shoots that down immediately she's like no you're gonna be a pilot uh and gives kevin the uh, role of shuttle commander, which doesn't make any sense because he's obviously a slacker, but we'll see how all of that turns out. So do you uh, guys know why they call them commander and pilot rather than pilot co-pilot? Because commander is the one who actually flies the shuttle. I had no idea that that was, I thought it was like the person just that they were the delegator and the pilot was actually the flyer. Oh. So back, back in the, uh, the early space program, you had these test pilots and you, you know, you would have the commander or whoever would be flying. It would be the commander, but their, the astronauts' egos were so big, no one wanted to be called co-pilot. So they're like, "Okay, you're gonna be, you're gonna be the commander, you're gonna be the pilot." And so it was kind of a, it was a way to stroke egos mostly. Okay, that's funny. <laughs> 
So we get a little bits of uh, Andy kind of walking them around, showing them different things, telling them about different stuff. We also meet the robot Jinx. And I don't do I need to bring this up or John, how about you tell us that little thing about Jinx? What little thing about Jinx? Oh, Jinx is voiced by Frank Welker. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yes, he is. Solid waste aboard space station can be handled in one of two ways. Jinx! Uh, I could tell it pretty quickly and yeah. Um, take one guess who my least favorite character was in this movie. <laughs> Max? Jinx. No, that was a, Max was a close number two. Uh, but Jinx, oh my God. They have, So they have this robot AI kind of thing that goes around and does whatever people tell it. And it talks and it just, it, it, <laughs> I, I was expecting, I wasn't expecting that. I'll tell you, just not knowing much about this movie, I was expecting, okay, kids are going to get into some crazy hijinks at space camp. I wasn't expecting a Johnny Five robot kind of thing happening here. That that took me by surprise. I know that Jinx has made an appearance on Family Guy one at least once. I remember seeing him and got, got really excited. <laughs> the thing that caught yeah. me was, uh, I guess towards the, the end of this first scene when we meet him, they're like, it's a $27 million disappointment or something like that. And I'm like, you guys spent $27 million and that's what it looks like? Yeah, it looks hideous. <laughs> Just a little ball with some like rollers. It looks like it was made by um it it uh, looked it looked like the machine that uh Kang or Krang from oh, Teenage yeah, Mutant yeah, Ninja Turtles Technodrome it looked yeah. like a tiny Technodrome <laughs> kind of did we we could say it's an early version of BB-8 but that's yeah <laughs> that may be quite, stretching <laughs> quite the stretch yeah they they were trying a little too hard with like the Star Wars references the use of John Williams I think uh, really got them motivated to try and. <laughs> push like oh we have to have an r2d2 cute little robot here and i think they they way overshot it so uh in the barracks we see uh catherine and tish talking they're just bonding a little bit i want to call out yeah john you mentioned it the the um soundtrack it's fantastic they had some dire straight songs playing yeah. in the background i was just like ooh, and they were way too soft i was like you don't just hide dire straights like this is <laughs> this is good shit uh, a little bit we learn a little bit more about rudy just kind of about him he he loves science you know, he wants to be a nerd. He's just not smart enough at it. For some reason, things don't click. Uh, so we kind of get that. You know, uh, and my, I like I, hmm. I really like that moment for a moment. You know, I, yeah. Because it, it kind of shows that Rudy, you know, these these kids, he's he wants to be brainy, but he just can't quite get it. And I think that actually offered a little bit of insight into him, which was, you know, it made him these characters less two dimensional. He's not just yeah. the token guy. He's a guy who wants to know something but he doesn't quite get it and so that's uh it was i think that was a, a strength of the movie which we won't go into many of the strengths but was that, <laughs> that, that, that that there were there was some characterization of, of a lot of the main characters i i agree um it was it was definitely a, a well-written portion right there so one decent check for the baby secret of the lost <laughs> legend writer but we'll see how many he uh, on the plus pro cons that we end with and for the record, we don't let the, during at space camp. The kids just don't roam around. The, the days are very structured, so they don't just mm-hmm. hang out or just walk around. We we kept them very organized. We kept them busy from seven o'clock till eight thirty, nine o'clock every day, and oh, well. um, they there was no time just to walk about. And uh, so yeah. that was another <laughs> shot for us. And um, all those dorm scenes are actually filmed in our were filmed in the cafeteria uh, instead of the oh. space hab where, where 
the, the dorms where they or the hab as the uh, as we called it at, at space camp the habitats. Okay, were they all bunks like that though, like bunk beds? Uh, there were so we had two. One was similar to that, like a whole bunch of bunk beds. Uh, but there was also a, in hab one, it was a small room. Uh, that fit six bunk beds, and it was actually built to simulate how much space you would have on the in the mid deck of of the orbiter in the shuttle. So it was kind of that oh. extra added uh, effect for the kids. But there yeah. were no windows. It was just, <laughs> and they had a locker and lights out. And <laughs> then we see that Max. You know, at first you think he might be getting bullied, uh, but all these other kids you know, want, want him to open up his locker and he snuck Jinx into his locker. So Max and, and Jinx are all there. All these, all these kids are trying to like control it and it kind of overloads it. So that night Max has to repair it. And here he forms a bond with his new, with his robot Jinx that is going to cause all this chaos to come. So uh, we get a little montage of weightlessness training, uh, things about like fitting into the suit and overall just like learning at camp. Um, and all so, the, a lot, a lot of those simulators, those are real. Uh, the shuttle simulator. I, I was going to ask. Yeah. Um, okay. so I've been, so for the shuttle ones, I've been in a lot of them, like the one that, uh, where, that got moved when Rudy hit the, the joystick. I've been in that one, the cargo bay with the, uh. the robotic arm. I've been in that one. Um, that chair that, uh, got the, anti-gravity or microgravity chair uh we call it the 5df for five degrees of of uh of freedom chair so and it did operate on a small pocket of air so it was used to simulate um microgravity and during the simulated missions that the kids would go through some of the mission specialists would use the simulator to perform functions uh in the quote vacuum of space cool nice now is the uh, like the gyroscope thing that Catherine gets in to try and have to like to, to learn how to pilot better? Is that was that a thing as well? So yeah, yes and no. So that's the MAT, the multi-axis trainer, um, and it was something similar to it was used during the Mercury program, America's first uh, manned space program, where astronauts would go into this tumble spin and they would use a joystick to try to stri- straighten themselves out. Um, they they discon- they stopped using it after Mercury because it would have used too much fuel and they hadn't had any issues. Um, in space camp, the one that Catherine is using, the the joysticks are just a prop. There was no way she was going to strain it out. It was just it was going to keep spinning. Um, but the one from the movie, I believe, is still in operation till this day. Uh, and when you look at the MAT, you think, okay, I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get dizzy on this. Um, most people. Think that, but you don't actually get dizzy on it because you don't spin in the same direction more than two or three times. So the your ear fluid doesn't tend to shift, and you don't get sick because your stomach stays pretty much in the same spot. Uh, so there's no dropping sensation. So you feel disoriented, but you don't actually get sick. You don't actually get dizzy. During the Gemini program, which is the second space program where two astronauts went to space, there was a mission where one of the capsules did, one of the capsules started to spin out of control. And one of the astronauts who had never trained for this before, but he managed to straighten uh, the capsule out, you know, just by using his skills as a pilot. And because of that, that is probably one of the reasons that he would later become the first man to walk on the moon. So that was, I think, Gemini 8 mm. for, uh, when Neil Armstrong basically saved the life of him and his uh, 
and his co-astronaut. Wow. But but the idea of the yeah. MAT of the shuttle or the orbiter going into a flat spin that's it's you know not going to happen. No, <laughs> it wouldn't happen. But but that's you know it's it's makes for good drama. Yeah, and that was some awesome background knowledge too. Yeah, yeah th- th- really th- cool. th- this 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 might end up being a very educational <laughs> <Yeah>. episode. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, that sounds fantastic to me. But yeah, so she wants uh, extra practice. Uh, Andy's Andy's kind of hard on her again. We just kind of seeing that. Um, but you know, she lets her kind of keep practicing on there. We get some some flirting with Kevin as well. That kind of stuff. They end up making a date um, if they, you know, as long as they can keep from being caught. <clears throat> as a camp counselor, Alex, did you ever catch kids sneaking out and uh, having little makeout dates over by the shuttle? Um, they try. There were times where they would try to. You would see little space <laughs> camp romances uh, occur. Um, we were pretty <laughs> vigilant, but you know, kids will be dumb and and do things mm-hmm. but you know i don't think nothing I, I while i was there we never caught anything terrible so you know, we'd see kids holding hands and trying to maybe sneak away a little bit but nothing nothing too serious and also as a counselor okay. watching this movie number one we would never let other count, uh, campers strap anyone into the simulators that's just dangerous yeah and <laughs> and and what my, my actually my wife told me we were watching it last night she's like hey remind them that no counselor is going to wear a tank top as, <laughs> as, to, to lead these kids we had uniforms and so, yeah, a br- but, a, no bra tank top is exactly what you should be wearing um for around high school kids as a as, as a counselor i, I mean imagine. you know i think i think we've established that andy doesn't care she's yeah. just uh <laughs> so uh but yeah uh, Kevin and Catherine get kind of found out. Andy and Zach go and see them just as they're like making out pretty hard over by the shuttle. Um, they uh, pull them, bring them back in. Um, and Catherine, you know, finally kind of calls out Andy, you know, why are you so hard on me and stuff like that? And and Andy says, hey, I see myself in you. I'm just trying to push you. I see, you know, you've got something. That kind of thing. Kevin yells at Max for always talking Star Wars. He's just he's just angry. Because he got caught, and so he's taking his frustrations. He's being a jerk to Max. Makes him cry. Uh, and so Max then runs into, like, the museum area, and he just kind of keeps saying, oh, I just, I wish I wasn't here. I wish I was in space. I wish I was in space. And and Jinx, his best bud now, <laughs> hears it, and he, you know, can't stop from doing whatever Max says. And so his Jinx's now sole mission is to get max into space and this was a good example of uh of lee phoenix's high quality high caliber <laughs> acting <laughs> yeah yeah it was um it was tough yeah. I, I i did laugh a little bit while i saw while kevin was berating him and his just kind of like he was trying to make himself cry and he really wasn't quite there but i was still just it was <laughs> it was funny and oh i don't want to be here man man oh but jinx all right so since Jinx takes it literally, he goes to the command room. Or Jinx is not a he; it's a robot. The robot goes to the command room, puts uh, Max into like the astronaut space program, trying to figure out whatever how to do it. And he and it, Jinx finds out that there's a training the but, next but, day. But this is this is where we discover that NASA is a self-realized entity somehow. <laughs> yeah, true. You're right. You're right. Jinx is talking to NASA. They're having a conversation. Both basically just being AIs. Um, and yeah, and so Jinx is talking to NASA, exactly, like like NASA's just 
in the internet or whatever as its own. And this is how we got Skynet. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If Jinx is going to be our first Terminator, I, I feel pretty good that we can take him down. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not too intimidated by a Jinx robot Terminator. Um, all right. The groups do a training exercise the next day uh, and things do not go well for the blue team. Kevin doesn't take his stuff seriously. Uh, it's all just haywire. We then get a quick little scene of uh, Jinx still working on getting Max to space. Um, there's an upcoming engine test, and he plans to put them in the test, but shifting it from being a test to a full launch. So, all right, this next day, they go to the test, they go up to the shuttle, and they do this countdown. Now, it does seem particularly dangerous I was, for NASA to put kids in an engine test. I was going to say the same thing. There's no way that even if it was just an engine test, they would actually put kids in the shuttle. Am I wrong? No, you're completely, that would be horribly irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, because just turning them on and whatnot, they're big, massive engines. There are There is a chance that they can blow up, and that's exactly what Jinx does to them. Um, he kind of, Jinx sets it so there is a, what, something, uh, thermal curtain failure. So he sets this thermal curtain failure, which then to make it, you know, not blow up, they have to launch. And that's exactly what happens. And so they launch up into space. Um, and luckily, Andy is there as well. She's with them. And so she's trying to help lead them and whatnot. Well, you know, the whole thermal curtain failure, going back to Challenger, the fact that it was an SRB, the solid rocket boosters, those two white pencil looking things, the fact that that was going to be mm. the problem probably hit home harder because it was a broken yeah. SRB, which caused the Challenger accident. Yeah. And so, you know, six months later, when, when you're watching this movie, it's like, oh, wow, this, that <laughs> that really hurts when, you th- when you're thinking about it. Yeah. Is, yeah. There, is there any kind of simulator at Space Camp that actually simulates what takeoff feels like? Um, there's There are some orbiters that, you know, they shake. Um, they're really loud. Um, but then you, when you back in, in in our rocket park, there is a gravitron ride called G-force, which when you're when you're lifting off, you're only getting about three to four G's. So if you go to a carnival and you ride one of those gravitron rides, you're feeling about that. Um, okay. But, okay. Um, but but the simulators, the the orbit, the shuttle simulators that we had at Space Camp, they were pretty accurate when it came to the switches and the gauges and even the computer screens, um, as as accurate as you really could be for for a camp okay all right so as our high school kids uh are getting shot up into space andy with them we also find out that they don't have a long-range radio um so just another thing that will kind of cause some problems later um but they get they make it they get up to orbit and at first it's glorious it's absolutely gorgeous of course it would be um you're out in space uh, and then they kind of realize okay yeah we got to go back we got to figure out how can we do that and they think it'll be safest bet to just kind of let the shuttle get turned on autopilot. And in 12 hours, that'll be the next window. But will they last 12 hours? Uh-oh, I don't think so. The <laughs> oxygen tanks are only going to last about 12 hours. I My question is, is there actually autopilot on these shuttles to kind of go back and just kind of NASA can control everything on autopilot on the way back in? I don't know. Maybe uh, that's something I don't know. I I would hope so. <laughs> <Actually>. <laughs> I imagine so. Uh, so let, let's go with that. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, so they got to figure out a problem for this whole oxygen situation because they won't last that long to come to come back without more oxygen. So Andy realizes that they need to go to Daedalus. It's a space station up there. Uh, it's not fully operational yet, but they do have oxygen tanks. Exactly what they need. So that's what they're going to do. We also see just kind of on there that uh, I like that, you know, Kevin, she, Andy's trying to control stuff, as she should, you know, and, and delegate and whatnot. And Kevin's having problems and he's not really, you know, doing his stuff. And she just kicks his ass out of like the, the pilot seat or the commander seat or whatever and puts Catherine in it, um, which in my opinion, I'm like, smart call. This kid, Kevin hasn't done shit, you know, or taken anything seriously. And so he's even though now he's saying he'll try to, I don't I wouldn't trust him. They uh, make it to dead to Daedalus pretty quickly. They, you know, that was a whole thing. Get there. Um, but that's not the problem. They need to try and, you know, get to the oxygen. I do like Tish finds out very quickly a good way to contact NASA by using uh, just this like flip switch or whatever, whatever the hell heck that thing was. Mm-hmm. It was something that lights up something on the board at, the, at their home base at NASA uh, or at command central or what do you what do you all call it? Well, miscontrol. Thank you. I couldn't think but, of that. <laughs> but here's the funny thing. Um, there are, when it came to the shuttle program, there were two miscontrols. There was pre-launch uh, miscontrol at Kennedy Space Center in Florida, and then after the shuttle mm-hmm. uh, cleared the tower, it, control would go over, go over to Johnson Space Center in Houston, um, which. I think was mostly done for a political reason because uh, President Johnson was from from Texas, and so he wanted a uh, space center because uh, there's <laughs> there's wasn't much reason to be in Texas <laughs> as far as I know, but you know we'll just flip switch it over to these guys. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. We get a couple little scenes in between that I didn't even really mention about Jinx talking with NASA stuff like that. Just God, I hate that fucking robot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, Andy, to um, to try and get the oxygen, she's got to go out into space. And so she puts on her suit and she goes out there, uh, heads towards Daedalus. Um, we're down to already about one hour left of oxygen. It's counting but I down figured, quick. When, when Andy left, wouldn't that increase their time a little bit because you have one less adult yeah. person? You know, just, Mathematically, that makes too much sense. How <laughs> dare you use logic? <laughs> Sorry, my bad. <laughs> yeah, but you're absolutely true. And so Andy finds what they need. She finds the oxygen tank. She gets there. She's got that. Now, is that MMU, that little jet, jet pack? Is that, yeah. a, is that a legit thing? Yeah, it was the man maneuvering unit. Um, and it was basically a, a miniature. It was like a jet pack. It was kind of big and bulky, but it it was uh, it was used for several years. Uh, I don't think it it's not used anymore. They've got something else, but it would it would use small bursts of, of energy of, of air or of fuel to propel forward and you didn't mm-hmm. need a lot you just do the controls and there was a there were some yeah. sim, mmu simulators at space camp um and there i remember there was a great picture of an astronaut flying the mmu you know if you somewhere on the internet and it's, it's just this beautiful shot and it was taken by uh, an astronaut who i've had lunch with several times and he was a friend of space camp uh, robert hoot gibson um so Sorry, just random knowledge as, as cool. I just flood back. <laughs> but yeah, the MMU was... A name drop in there. Well, yeah, you know, Hoot and me, we, we were close. Actually, he is in my wife's 30th birthday book, so that's kind of cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. So his name uh, is Hoot, like his call name? 
Yes, it, it was Robert Gibson. Uh, he was a Navy naval uh, aviator, and he, but his uh, his call sign was Hoot. Okay. Do we know how he got that? I'm just I, curious. I I don't know. Okay. Yeah, just curious. Um, <laughs> all right. So she gets those oxygen tanks, but she's not small enough to get through. She can't get through the bars to get to them. Which I'm curious as to if she's not small enough to get them, why would they put them in that? Sp- space so when they know they need to change oxygen why wouldn't they be in a much more uh proper place for, for easy change out would that well, make they did, sense they did say they were in like storage mode or something uh, like that uh-huh. and, and they would they were going to be used for the space right. station so it, it, i don't think they were ever intended for the shuttle but true yeah so she couldn't reach them you know what my biggest issue here was what i wanted to say was just <laughs> Use your fucking leg. It looks like you just have to flip a switch to like get it out. Just reach your leg in there and flip it. But she just just so frustrated because she can't get her big you know helmet through the thing. But that's just I was frustrated. I was frustrated because she didn't. She never tethered herself to anything. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do spacewalk, which commanders and pilots don't do spacewalks, that's for mission specialists. But you know, she's mm-hmm. that's fine. She's the adult. Tether yourself. <laughs> For the love of God, tether yourself or you're going to float away and there's nothing you're going to be able to do about it. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be Sandra Bullock. And it's, or, or I guess it was more Clooney. Got, he got fully taken away. Uh, yeah, but uh, all right. But you know Wait, does who that is? Ma- does, that, does that make Max Sandra Bullock? Yeah, Ma- Max is Sandra Bullock, pretty much. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's kind of close. Yeah, Max is small enough. And so the kids are like... Hey, let's throw this like twelve-year-old kid out into space because that's a good idea. Uh, and so, so they put him in a suit and they kind of strap it up smaller. And but he this time, te- they, this time they use the robotic arm to get yeah. him there. Which, yeah, would have made much more sense probably. Yeah. But yeah, they do that. They uh, I do like how you know at one point he kind of looks into the the vast void empty void of space and he's all scared and wants to be brought back in of course makes sense and then to motivate him kevin turns to star wars <laughs> luke luke use the force luke stretch out your feelings use the force luke and he gives us that good the good obi-wan line uh and so all right, they, they, this little kid is excited now. He's going to do it. They're down to 30 minutes of oxygen. So they use that shuttle arm to move him towards Andy, and he's apparently small enough to get through, which pisses me off. Uh, and also Because it didn't look like Andy's body was the problem. It looks like her big pack and her big helmet and all that was, was too big to fit through. And yet Max is wearing a suit with the same pack <laughs> size and the same helmet size, and yet he can somehow squeeze through yeah my wife and i were discussing that while we were watching the movie because yeah the suit would have been filled with air anyway and so it would have been pressurized the only thing i can think of is before they pressurized him they they put straps all over him to try Mm -hmm. to i guess compress it and so maybe that's how it worked but i don't know (laughs) well i like to think the these high school kids are far smarter than anyone who's actually worked at, at space camp alex I'm, I'm going to trust them on this. So. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I don't know what Space Camp was thinking, putting me on, teaching kids. <laughs> the uh, the kids in the cabin are, are in, the, um, in the shuttle. They're now out of oxygen. Only the air left in the cabin. Things are looking pretty grim. 
And at the same time, to continue the grim look, Max, he's trying to, uh, you know, push away and try and get the oxygen, and he pushes too hard, and now he starts moving out into space. And now he's floating, and so Andy has to go after him, and she uses her little jetpack, and she finally, she gets to him, and it's looking, you know, it's all, yay, it's happy, she saved his life. Now the graphics on here, the mats. Oh, jeez. Could you you could see them so terrible? Like the there were <laughs> they had these shapes like around them, like they're called mats in um uh in in film speak, and they it, it was atrocious. Like it was it was like worse than like eighties green screen bad. <laughs> yeah, I I I my my note just is the moon looks fake as hell. That yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. <laughs> Yeah, and it's so close. I don't know why it would. It, it, it looks so close. I mean, I know you're in space. Yeah, aren't they? But... Aren't they just? They're just outside of the or, or in the orbit, you know, outside of Earth, and yeah, then they look like they were. He, he was about to get sucked into the moon's gravity. <laughs> yeah, the moon is like about two hundred, a little less than two hundred fifty thousand miles away. There may be two hundred fifty. 250 miles up. There's a big difference, and yeah. I get it. It's it's dramatic, but. For crying out loud, the moon is not <laughs> that close. <laughs> that's that's the thing that freaks me out, though. You said they're only, what, like 250, 300, whatever miles up. And I'm like, holy crap. Like, it, that's really not that far to get out to space. Yeah. No, it, it took, you know, it only took the uh, the shuttle about eight and a half minutes to get into space. Man, that is so cool. I mean, it's like to think that I'm closer to outer space than I am to John, uh, yeah. like significantly, like, like. Like ten times, I'm ten times closer because you're we're three thousand miles away, uh, and that's only like two fifty three hundred. So I, I don't know. I love that because you think I don't know. I'm just dumb, and I just I look up <laughs> like oh, it's the stars, it's out there, it's forever. Uh, but like getting into that void isn't all that far. That's really cool to me. So just gotta go overcome gravity. Yeah. Well, John, I've got too much fat and too much gravity. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, too much mass. I gotta I got to uh, trim down my mass, and maybe that'll help. So uh, they fly back to the shuttle, and now there is the uh, the pressures of what to connect the which tube to connect the oxygen to, which hose. Um, and Rudy really believes it's one thing, and Catherine, you know, doesn't believe him, and is like, okay, no, no, I think it's this thing. And Rudy is like, no, I've been studying this. Trust me. And so they go with Rudy's advice, and they connect it, and he connects it, and yay, he saved them for another twelve hours or whatever. Fantastic. You know, that's one thing that I did like they with Rudy's character, him struggling with not knowing things. It was really nice for him to have this moment. Yeah. Each each yeah. person is given a moment, each kid. Uh, and this was Rudy's. And that was really nice. Yeah, And this is where Catherine just falls apart. Yes, very much so, because, yeah, she 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 likes to think she knows everything. She likes to be in charge. But a line that we get, I guess, later or uh, maybe it was earlier, I can't remember, was uh, she had to learn that, or maybe it was Andy who had this line, being bossy isn't the same as being a good boss or something yeah, like that. Was, that. that was, yeah, that was Catherine. That was Catherine. Okay. Uh-huh. So, yeah. And that's that's very much um, what we're seeing here. She's realizing she's not a good boss. Uh, now, Andy's going to connect the second hose, but something goes wrong. And I don't even really know what, what went wrong, but the oxygen shoots out and then it flies her back and kind of like, Breaks, breaks some ribs and kind of knocks her unconscious. Max has to go out and save her. And the cargo bay doors are starting to close now because now they now that they have some oxygen, NASA's taking control. It's going into autopilot mode to come back. And so she kind of gets trapped out into space 
So to save her life, the kids have to make this decision. Do we want to go into manual override or do we want to let this just, you know, drag her and she will burn up on reentry? I don't know if I would make the call that these kids made. (laughs) Um, If it was me and even Andy would say, hey, and she did. She said, just just leave me. Go back to, you know, save yourselves. I don't know. Probably high school Adam would be like, peace out, Andy. It was nice knowing you. (laughs) That's pretty shitty. I'm I'm (laughs) but. It's a tough situation, but uh, luckily these kids are much nicer than I am, and so they find the manual override switch, and they do it, and they bring Andy in. But you saw which you saw which character was the one who actually did it. Kevin. Kevin. Yeah. Uh, yes. Catherine couldn't make her decision, um, yep. but now's the time. Kevin, he's starting to step up into that leadership position because he's you know been slacking off the entire time. Now it's like okay. I've got to, I've got to do this, and so he he does that absolutely. So Andy, she's still kind of knocked out at this time, and so they're all worried what they're going to do next. NASA is still not noticing that little beacon that um, <laughs> Tish has been trying to do. Like they are oblivious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What did that, they... that, that, like who is at that station? Why are they not manning yeah. their station? <laughs> it's yeah. Oh. You would think that they would have realized that that's a way to talk to them as well. I don't know, but. But Tish, Tish is extra smart because she's got her like photographic memory. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that I found that particularly hard to believe that no one noticed it. So the kids realize, oh, we can we don't have to land at this one sp- perfect spot that we were trying to hit. We can do uh, this other landing that they did in like nineteen was it nineteen eighty two or seventies or whatever it was. Some other shuttle had an emergency landing. They said in White Sands, New Mexico. That's where we're going to land. And so there's another window that they can hit. It doesn't have to be this perfect time. So their oxygen will be okay if they can make this window. So there um, are there were three landing sites in the United States. And I, I don't know why they there was um, – there was Edwards Air Force Base in California. Um, there was uh, mm-hmm. White Sands in New Mexico. But there was also Kennedy. You could land at Kennedy. I don't know. I mean – Oh, yeah. Was... <laughs> <laughs> so they had a Go couple different uh, windows. Yeah, they, they weren't nearly as much pressure as we all thought. Yeah. So. Actually, if you if they landed Edwards, it costs about a million dollars to get the orbiter back because they have to fly in on top of a of a seven forty seven. So they could have saved NASA, uh, you know, a million dollars by going straight to Kennedy. Yeah, I don't know what they thought of, but and now you know they got to go White Sands, which means the orbiter's gonna be completely filled with sand. So they're gonna have to completely like mm-hmm. take it apart, and it's just. These kids, irresponsible. <laughs> yeah, they're t- so, so irresponsible. Speaking of irresponsible, in comes Jinx into uh, Mission Control, and he's all talking about he wants to bring Max back. Jinx is the one who notices the SOS beep. Um, he starts making a fuss, which then leads to Zach, Tom Skerritt, noticing it. Oh, yay, they actually respond. Uh, he, he says... <laughs> They make oh, a response on. back, and the kids, Tish, Tish's response here. Tish, I've got the best line. Whip me, beat me, take away my charge card. NASA is talking! Whip me, beat me, take away my charge card. NASA is talking. <laughs> oh, what the fuck was that? Tish is into some crazy stuff. But you know yeah. what? I, if you know, if I were Kevin, forget Catherine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Tish is smart. Uh, yeah, she's she's very cute, je- equally as cute. Yeah, and she seems to be well put together. She definitely helped save their lives on this part. So yeah, this was this was Tish's moment. Max kind of had his moment when he 
got the oxygen. Uh, Tish had her moment with his communication. Rudy had his moment with connecting the hoses. I would say definitely Kevin had his moment on flipping the switch and saving Andy's life. Uh, and so now we're going to need Catherine to have her moment. Andy wakes up. She gets on a headset trying to talk to the kids, trying to talk them through, you know, piloting them back to get in, to get in position. They have to do this 180 turn. But bump, bump, bum. Guess what happens? Foreshadowing from earlier, there's a flat spin. And so, of course, that training that uh, that Catherine couldn't do earlier is coming back in, you know, same in that gyroscope kind of thing. And so Catherine has to do it. Shit is just going crazy right now. She ends up straightening it as they get into re-entry and things are like looking tough and she gets the nose at 30 degrees like she was supposed to. Then she's she's flying it. Yay! She's flying it back. She had her moment. She saved them. And once they get into, uh, you know, the atmosphere, they hear NASA again and there's a big old cheer. The music is swelling. I'll say the music right here mm-hmm. is really helping the movie. Uh, and, and obviously John Williams doing a fantastic job on that. Uh, yep. It's, all things sound great. And then um, they can go onto autopilot from there and they land. And that's the end of our film. That is Space Camp in a nutshell. Alex, as our guest, I'd like for you to have your, you know, the the first words, you know, really tell us how was it diving back into Space Camp? So, you know, look, it it does get nostalgic for me looking at all the different places because, you know, there were so many of those those uh, scenes where they were actually set in space camp where you see the rockets and you see the Saturn five lying on the, on the ground, which now is in a beautiful building. Um, so a lot of that did bring me back um, and made me happy. Now for the movie itself, I would say space camp is an okay at the best teen adventure movie. Um, I, I, I think it's got so many great ingredients. It's got, it's got a fantastic cast. It really does. You look mm-hmm. at the cast and you're like, oh my gosh, these are heavy hitters, especially in the 1980s. Um, yeah. The music, as we mentioned, is is you got a great score. Um, the premise itself is not bad, but overall, it's the kind of movie you may watch once. Um, people who are our age will look and think, oh, Space Camp, we could have won that on Double Dare. Let's, let's watch this. And <laughs> y- you watch it once and you say, okay. I've watched Space Camp now, and you can let it be. I'll watch it again from time to time because of the, of the nostalgia from when I worked there. Mm-hmm. But as a movie, it did it's it's okay. I did like that the characters were actually did have some depth. They actually, you know, you had Tish who was kind of like that Valley Girl, but actually really smart. You had um, mm-hmm. you had Rudy who wanted, to, as we mentioned, wanted to wanted to be smart, wanted to do science. And so I think they there was some strength in the characters, but as a movie in general, it was okay. Uh, John, now let's talk about two people who had not seen this film before. Uh, love to hear your thoughts. And did you by chance show it to any of your kids? We Yeah, we all watched it together. Um, actually, my wife all week has been excited about it because um, she was nostalgic for the movie. She okay. did watch it when she was a kid. In fact... Um, just as a, as a little kind of sidebar, on Monday or this past Monday, uh, my kids had a uh, kind of a like a virtual science night with their school, and someone from NASA was there, and I uh, I was not in the room uh, with them. my daughter was was listening to him. My wife was there, and the lady from NASA mentioned the movie Space Camp, 
It got my wife all excited. She's like, I can't wait to watch the movie. So we watched it. Um, it was funny. Um, I th- I can see how if I had been of the right age in the 80s, I probably would have loved this movie if I'd seen it then. If if I can have a love for Baby Secret of the Last Legend, I can definitely have a love for Space Game. <laughs> 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 it, it, it was fine. Uh, I think the cheesiness of the robot took a little bit away. But otherwise, I mean, it's, you know, it's a it's a perfectly eighties premise that mm-hmm. would have been fine. So I I agree in that it was it was okay. But I could totally see how anyone who actually watched the movie at that time would have a love for it. I, I probably would have been yeah. I probably would have been a big fan. I could see that. Uh, I had very similar. I mean, I'm kind of surprised here in that uh, I came in with very low expectations. <laughs> Seeing that credit on Baby Secret of the Lost Legend was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> no. Um, but the cast, you're right. Seeing that cast, I was like, okay, this is a really strong cast here. This movie exceeded my expectations. Now, because they were so low, it doesn't mean that <laughs> I adored it. But it exceeded my expectations. So, yeah, overall, not amazing. I would have enjoyed it better if I had seen it as a kid or if I had any kind of nostalgic tie like like Alex, like you do. But overall, pretty decent. If if I had to redo this film, I would easily cut Jinx and Max, get them out of there. They were <laughs> fucking awful. Max, I can let slide, but the talking robot crap, God, that was so 80s and so unnecessary, and I, I didn't need that part at all. Um, and the random like- slow motion. Did you yeah. notice the random slow motion? They're like, <laughs> yes. like, why are you talking in slow motion? I don't understand. <laughs> there was, yeah, particularly when Max, I noticed it when Max was talking to Jinx and they were like trying to do some heartfelt moments. They had some slow motion and it wasn't the good slow motion where they shot it properly. It's where they slowed it down in post and it just looks choppy and gross. Um, and so, yeah, I picked it up pretty easily. But yeah, I, uh, I did not have a disdain from this movie like I do with Baby Secret of the Lost Legend. Two of them that I had never seen before, but one is vastly superior. So I say solid pick, uh, solid enough pick, um, and I can see absolutely why you picked it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough. <laughs> All right, now let's move on to Silverhawks. Tallyhawk! <laughs> Oh, Silverhawks, also from 1986. Uh, this had one season, 65 episodes. It was syndicated, so on different stations, you know, depending on where you were at. Awesome design with a lot of stuff. I'll talk about that later, but I want to hear again, why Silverhawks, Alex? What about this show got you excited that you wanted to talk about it? So I remember loving Silverhawks as a kid, and I, and I started to think about why. Why was the, why is it that I loved Silverhawks? And it occurred to me, I went to a friend's house who had Silverhawks toys, and so I, we started playing with them. And because I liked the toys, I found out there was a show, and so I loved it. And so I I more than I, I watched Silverhawks more than Thundercats, more than a lot of other shows. Um, I had the toys back in college when I discovered that eBay was a thing. I oh, ended up nice. I ended up getting a silver lock, silver uh, hawks lunchbox, the kind same kind I had as a kid, which I actually still have today. Um, so it's one of those things of I just remember loving it so much as a kid. You know the toys, the show, and so yeah, that's why that's why I, I brought it up for this one. I definitely nice. remember having at least one of the toys. 
I feel like I remember one as well. And I don't know. Maybe it was Quicksilver. It was probably Quicksilver. Yeah. But yeah, I think you're right. I think just, just one, though. We didn't have the whole team. Yeah. Um, all right. So Alex had mentioned Thundercats. And this show was developed by Rankin Bass Productions, who also did Thundercats. This was kind of the, their space-based equivalent uh, kind of show of bringing a team out into space. So these heroes live in the 29th century, and they were given metal bodies and wings. They're kind of cyborgs, basically. Their whole duty is to stop the uh, organized crime uh, in the galaxy that they live in, which is called Limbo. And mainly that means they are stopping Monstar, uh, who is like the main bad. Uh, We'll go into the cast, who we have here. And uh, Commander Stargazer, um, and also the voice of Steel Will, was uh, Bob McFadden. I'd like to welcome you to Hawkhaven, Silverhawks. Most people would recognize him as Snarf on the Thundercats. And Monstar, our villain, was voiced by Earl Hammond. Give me the might, the muscle, the menace of who he used the exact same voice as Mum-Ra <laughs> that he was using in Thundercats as well. He also the voice of Jaga in Thundercats. Bluegrass was voiced by Larry Kenny. You ever seen a toy like this? Who everyone would know as Lion-O. And Quicksilver, and also Mumbo Jumbo, was voiced by Peter Newman. That must be it. Hawk Haven, home for the next few centuries. Who most people would know as uh, Tigra or and Wily Cat in Thundercats. Also, he did some voices in, uh, or did a voice in the show Archer. And then Steelheart and Melodia. Melo- Is that how you pronounce it? Melodia? Melodia. Melodia. Melodia, okay. Uh, that was voiced by Maggie Wheeler. Hey, little Will, you think we could build one of those? We've ta- I, th- I think we've talked about her, my friend, John. Or maybe I was thinking about I talked about her on Cartwright of Seinfeld podcast. Mm. Um, but m- everybody knows her as Janice from Friends. Oh, my God. Uh, that Janice who is super annoying that Chandler dates in multiple episodes. Uh, she also does a voice on Archer at some point as well. And then... Uh, the Copper Kid is voiced by Pete Canarosi. Canarosi. This is his only credit. Hmm. That's it. And the Copper Kid is kind of silly. He does he does he he talks by putting his thumb in his mouth and it makes like a very um He makes like, like tones. He doesn't really yeah. have, he doesn't really have a voice. Yeah, he comes from the planet of the mimes. <laughs> the planet of the mimes. Okay. I mean yeah, I heard that's... some kind of words, but yeah, it was all very, very musical based. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and speaking of music, uh, music was done by Bernard Hoffner, who is the same as who did the Thundercats. I believe he actually did both theme songs. So let's talk Silverhawks theme song. Tally-ho! Wings of silver, silver
this one actually made my top 10 80s cartoon theme songs at number nine. Uh, Thundercats came in at number two, I believe. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, is this not an awesome-ass catchy theme song? <laughs> it is. It's fun to listen to. Um, it's one of the best parts of the show. You hear that that tally hawk at the beginning, and you're like, "All right, yeah. I'm 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 in for some adventures." Yeah, absolutely. Probably the best part of the show. I, <laughs> I probably agree. <laughs> now, so you mentioned you watched it when you were a kid uh, because of seeing the toys. John, did you watch Silverhawks much at all? I, you know what, I can't remember. It's possible that I watched it around the time it came out, 86. I would have been about five, five or six years old. It would have been on whatever cartoon rotation, possibly. Well, I mean, probably whatever had Thundercats likely yeah. carried this one as well. So it is entirely possible, but I, I don't remember. I don't have any kind of remembrance of actually watching the show. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I remember the name Silverhawks. I remember the look of the of them. Remember that theme song. But the show itself, I don't really have it anywhere in my brain. So maybe it was a fleeting. But um, mm-hmm. as of you know, as a kid, I don't remember. Animation wise, watching this animation, this looked rough to me. Eh. Like, I mean, it, it's it very did. '80s. It's very '80s. Yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't hold up, obviously, in 2020. But like, even then, I don't know. I feel like I compare it to some other 80s stuff, and I, I thought even like Thundercats looked better. So not to say it was terrible, but it just I don't know, just kind of had some some slow frame rate, not as bad as like a like a He-Man kind of thing. But there were a couple of times where I would there were some scenes where one of the Silverhawks would actually run, and the they 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 looked so awkward running. Uh, you know, I, I think that's I think that's why they had him fly so much because you don't have to do so yeah. much movements. But True. and you know, I, and I was wondering, do they wear do they wear those those masks so they don't have to animate their faces? So because during all their talking, because that makes it so much easier. <laughs> they yeah probably, um, but yeah let's let's talk about their design. I think the design of the Silverhawks and their very sleek, like, you know, Cybertronic-looking suits or whatever, I mean, it's mm-hmm. their bodies, but I think, I mean, they look really badass to me. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I can see why it's a successful toy line because, yeah, they, I mean, they look, I mean, yeah, it's all metal. It's very chrome, chromed out thing. And then when they have their masks down, I mean, yeah, it's, it's like a space ninja flying, you know, hawk thing coming at you. I don't mm-hmm. like that. Except for Steel Will, who had a football helmet. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> and and bluegrass who always had a cowboy hat and a neckerchief. Ne- yes, yeah. gotta have that neckerchief. And did you guys see any of the episodes where he took his hat off? No, I didn't. Uh. Uh-uh. Be- because when he takes his hat off, he almost has like it's it's a continuation, but it almost looks like a mohawk. Um, which uh-huh. I realized is the because the toy in order to keep the hat on had to have this little thing to click it into place, and I think it was designed. <laughs> So in the same way, otherwise, why does he have this ah. like weird mohawk thing? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the Silverhawks themselves looked good. I did not feel that the monsters looked very good. Like the space monsters, I don't think they held up as well as say like the He-Man monsters or Thundercats monsters. Um, am I alone in that? I think I agree. They they were very almost generic and generic monsters mm-hmm. yeah yeah i mean his name is monstar monster monster that is awful <laughs> i mean that that's that's pretty that's weak sauce right there well i mean <laughs> so he man she rub monstar <laughs> yeah well yeah, yeah yeah fair enough um all right 
And then the last thing that I, well, not the last thing, but so bluegrass, I get bluegrass and melodia. They're shooting people with music. <laughs> John, you're you're the musician. Can can you do that? Because because Alex had a lot of space camp knowledge. Right now, you as the music knowledge, can you do that with a guitar uh, <laughs> and a, like a, a like a guitar that he has? Is that a thing? Well, I mean, they actually do use sound as weapons. You yeah. can use. Uh, I I know lots of. Uh, I've seen lots of videos of militaries trying out using um, uh, really high pitched and really loud sounds to do certain things. I know they've actually used that to uh, discourage uh, pirates in like in you know like around like Somali and stuff like that where uh, like they'll just aim it at them and it just it's just really high pitched and really loud sounds. Um, <laughs> famously, they've used music as torture. <laughs> yeah. Stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, sound can be weaponized. That is that is a thing that could Fair. happen. I, is, is it going to come out uh, in a staff with musical notes like that? No. Well, and by 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 the 29th century, who maybe. knows? It could who knows? Who knows? So, for me, the sound design actually. That's where the thing I, I might have had my my biggest problems with the show is the sound design overall it, they were lacking. It just they didn't fill in enough sounds. Now, granted, maybe they were trying to be uh, real, like in space. You're not going to get a lot of sound. Uh, that's just not how space works. I think. No, you're right. There was but... no there. There was no space realism. In, no, no, <laughs> no. Don't give that credit. There was an episode where they decided, well, we're going to launch Copper Kid into space, and that's going to end him. What? <laughs> he was designed to be in space. No, don't don't give these people yeah. that 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 credit. <laughs> yeah, I mean all okay. the, all the monsters were driving around in in convertibles open to space <laughs> and were just yeah. talking to each other. True. Okay, fine. But yeah, then 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 the sound design was weak. Uh <laughs> they just they didn't put enough actual sound effects into things when when stuff would hit something or other things like that so that was that was pretty uh shit and honestly that can add a lot to a show sound good full sound design adds a lot to a good show in my opinion mm-hmm. and then overall the just the production for my opinion I'm just, I'm just gonna go ahead and talk about my final thoughts on this show overall the production on this show just felt kind of lesser watching it now i can see the appeal when I, you know, if I were a kid, because I don't remember really watching it, you know, I don't know if we did, but like, it is cool. The, the concept is cool. You know, I, I like other shows that are just as 80s as this, mm-hmm. you know, where it's just dumb monsters fighting heroes. But it, yeah, it just uh, watching it now. And because I didn't have the nostalgic factor, I was kind of met on it other than I think the, the sleek ass look of our heroes. So how about John? And then, and then we'll give Alex like the, you know, this is his, this is his baby. Uh, you can, you can close us out. Uh, yeah. I mean, I largely had the same impression. It's, it's an, it's a, it's not a bad idea. It's an interesting idea. The look of them are pretty cool. I like the sort of cyborg look, but I, I did watch a couple episodes and they were pretty slow and it was really hard yep. to, it was really hard to sit through. Um, a lot of, a lot of dead space. Mm-hmm. I got, as I said, like sound design, yeah. big issues. I, I I got through one episode and I was like, yeah, that's enough. <laughs> I, I, I get this. Uh, John, did you did you show the kids this one at all? No, no, I didn't. I didn't have time really because yeah, I had to I had to watch it and I had to find it online without paying for it. Yeah. So, I, uh, Daily Motion. Yep, was the was the way to go. That's where I found it too. How many episodes did you watch, John? I just watched a couple. Just a couple. Okay. I watched. Right. I watched. I watched the second episode because I didn't see the yeah, first one. Same I thing. watched the second episode and then I watched one farther down the line. 
um, which oddly enough referenced the second episode, which was really weird because it was like episode oh. one and then episode 46, <laughs> but yet it referenced the first one or that one. That's funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, I can, you know, growing up at, at that time and being that right age, if if that had been a show I had been more exposed to, I could have seen being mm-hmm. being nostalgic for it. But for yeah. some reason, that one never hit me when I was a kid. Maybe it was because... I was too into He-Man and Thundercats at the time, and I didn't have enough time mm-hmm. for another Phantom. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so. so. Uh, all right, and Alex. Well, what? How many? How many episodes did you rewatch on this one? I think I I watched maybe about five episodes, and I watched it with okay. my son, who's five. So you know, this this nice. actually kind of was made for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, when I, when I look at Silverhawks, I think of that meme where, where they ask, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change it up a bit. So it doesn't look obvious you copied. And <laughs> that's what it is for Th- Thundercats. It, it is. Um, mm-hmm. the, the animation isn't great. Their, their powers are inconsistent. You know, sometimes a laser will do so much damage. Sometimes it won't do anything, but you know, <laughs> I had this, in, I envisioned, um, of how episodes got created where, the creators just gave a whole bunch of toys to kids and said, Hey, create some scenarios and we're going to write them down. <laughs> and that's kind of what mu- that, I think that's what <laughs> must have happened on this one. Um, <laughs> it's not great. Uh, if, if you're nostalgic for, for Silverhawks, go for it, watch it. I own the DVD uh, because, you know, I got nostalgic for it. But, um, but you just can't take it too serious. Uh, I do like the educational part at the end where they, where Bluegrass mm-hmm. is teaching uh, Copper Kid about the solar system and, and science. And my five-year-old was able to follow along and actually answered uh, some of the questions. Um, one question he did have, and again, this is a five-year-old watching this, sh- uh, this show, said, hey, why do they always go into a circle when they launch? And I was like, oh, every time they leave the Mirage, they do the all these acrobatics and they get into a circle i'm like no just go fight <laughs> but uh, <laughs> if, if a fi- if, if a five-year-old is pointing out a flaw <laughs> there might be a problem yeah. um so yeah overall the show it's it's great for nostalgia it's it had a great toy line so if you enjoyed it as a kid watch some episodes don't take it too seriously if you didn't you might enjoy an episode or two but that's really about it all right and uh Let's um let's talk about a casting because John, well you kind of you, maybe you mentioned this, but I feel like I heard you say, but I I do think this the concept yeah the concept and the idea of Silverhawks is really cool and I think it is ripe for like a and there's actually been talks about like a Silverhawk movie like about a decade ago and mm-hmm. nothing ever panned out, but I think you know this has uh, it's a good franchise that it could be a badass TV show or a new another cartoon or a movie. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by Silverhawks, partly metal, partly real, mighty warriors with the powers to protect space from all evil. Bustle's busting out. Shredder too. Stargazer's seen us. Figures with weapon birds sold separately. Slybird, surgery report, Quicksilver, activate power wing, Teleworld, brigade scissor wing. Now take him down. Mumbo Jumbo Airshot. It's hero stomping time. No way. Buzzsaw with Shredditor, Quicksilver with Tallyhawk. Other figures with Weapon Bird sold separately. Silverhawks, new from Kenner. All right, so let's talk casting. Uh, we're going to cast 
pretty much just the main characters from Silverhawk, the team, and Commander Stargazer. So the, the characters will be Commander Stargazer, Quicksilver, Bluegrass, Steelheart, Steelwill, and the Copper Kid. I know there were a couple of other characters that kind of came in later, but Alex, you were the one who picked uh, these characters. Uh, was it just because these were the main ones that you wanted to use? Yeah, yeah. I figure let's do do the team and yeah. That's at first I was like, well, I wonder why he didn't pick any uh, any of the bad guys. And then I watched a couple episodes. And I'm like, no, no, that was a good call. I don't think we I don't <laughs> think we need to cast that right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, all right. So we're gonna do those characters. I guess we'll just go in that order. I don't know if it really matters which ones we end with. Your call. Well, I don't want to end with Copper Kid. I can tell you that. No, we'll st- we're gonna start going. with the Copper Kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But is do we want to end with Commander Stargazer or Quicksilver? Does it matter? Eh, okay. Go Stargazer. Yeah. Let's let's end with Stargazer because, uh, well, I think Quicksilver is kind of boring. But that's besides the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. He's he's kind of like that just classic boring '80s leader. Were we not? I when I when I when we talked, uh, I did suggest doing Monstar Melodia. Were we gonna? Uh, we, well, I didn't cast them. I didn't cast did them. You, did you do castings? I didn't. Ca- I, did you do castings for them? I have those too. Well, then go ahead. Oh. Go ahead and say them. I, I if I looked on the list and I didn't see them, and maybe I just it missed was a late. It. I think it was a later conversation okay. where I okay, yeah. added added those two, but that's fine. Well, go ahead. Go ahead and say yours, there, then. Okay. So, what did you? Who did you pick for Melodia? So, for Melodia, originally I was going to have someone like a young pop person doing some music, but then like as Taylor I was Swift. Watching an, <clears throat> <laughs> well, uh, no, the, no, 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 because she's evil enough. Taylor Swift is evil enough that she'd be good. <laughs> this exists in the same universe as Bill and Ted, so can't use. Ah, uh, gotcha. Uh, but she will never get cast as Missy. Never. <laughs> um. Well, what what I noticed in some of the episodes was I felt that Bluegrass and Melodia they're always being paired together, and there was some sort of tension. Um, between the two, a little bit of sexual S- tension. Sexual so tension? I didn't want to get like, yeah. <laughs> yes. And if there was a movie, it totally would happen. Um, so I wanted someone who was musical, who could act, but I also wanted someone who was older and someone who we haven't heard from in a while. Um, so for my Melodia, I went with Kylie Kylie Minogue. Huh, uh, that makes sense. She's done some acting, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. She yeah, was in Street so. Fighter, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know if I brag about that. Oh yeah, that's acting. <laughs> I mean, Doctor Who, Doctor Who. That's what I meant. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm not mad about that. I like. I mean, I like Kylie Minogue. So yeah. I mean, and if and if she still uses the keytar as her weapon, I think that totally even continues to fit with Kylie Minogue and, and her kind of like 80s style. Yeah. No, I'm 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 on board with that. Definitely, that's a good call. All right. Would you who'd you pick for Monstar then? Uh, Monstar was kind of a difficult one. I just couldn't figure it out. And so I kind of just went with um, someone who can be just a great villain and a big person, uh, personality. I went with Carl Urban. Uh, yeah. Totally makes sense. Good voice. Thinking about it just off the top of my head, I think I would go with like an Idris Elba. I think he could be a, a good a good villain, kind of a big enough presence. But Carl Urban, great choice. Yeah. Can't argue with that. All right. Well, then let's start with the, uh, the Copper Kid. Um, I'll go ahead and start with mine. Um, so Copper Kid is an alien, so it didn't really matter who it was, and Copper Kid doesn't talk, so I felt like I didn't need to pick an actor, so I didn't pick an actor. I know it mo- it takes place mostly in space, but somebody that's small is going to be nimble and be able to do some cool acrobatic tricks, even though they're doing it in space and defying the laws of gravity, but whatever, it's, you know, it's, it's a show. So I was like, who do I know who is small? and super acrobatic 
I went with Simone Biles. Yeah, that's funny. Because uh, she doesn't need to say anything, and she's the best the best gymnast of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <that's laughs> the... All right. That's cool. So I, it okay. was kind of a weird spot, but I was like, you know what? It makes sense to me for what it's going to happen with this character. So. Okay. Sure. All right, Adam? Uh, yeah. I went into my bucket of kid castings. I think... John, maybe you used this kid at one point. Um, he's been in the Shazam movie. He was actually maybe one of my... Uh, I, I didn't love the Shazam movie like other people did, but this kid I thought actually did a pretty decent job. He was pretty funny. Um, he's also from a comedy stuff on Fresh Off the Boat. Um, and I think, you know, this movie is going to have its MCU kind of style to it. I think they will give him some kind of voice. Uh, but anyway, I went with Ian Chen. He's like 13, I think now, maybe 14. Right around that 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 age, and you know, I'm sure he could train up, do whatever I need him to do. Okay, he can probably be just as good of a gymnast as Simone Biles if he really <laughs> wanted to, right? Uh, no, no, uh, maybe not. Probably, probably not. never. But uh, yeah, Ian Chen, he's he's a good little kid actor, and actually, I do legitimately appreciate him. So, there you go. okay. Nice. Oh, he was in a he was just in a movie I saw, and I only saw it because my daughter was like, "We're going to see this movie," so I had to go see it. Oh, what was it? <laughs> it's called A Dog's Journey. Oh, there's like a there's like a like series of them where it's like you follow a dog like it, as it gets reborn. Uh, oh, I think I heard what? of that. Like I, a re like a, the dogs get reincarnated. Yeah, he gets reincarnated as a new dog because dogs oh, don't. That sounds depressing. It, it, yeah, <laughs> it does kind of and uplifting, but depressing too. Yeah. yeah, I mean it. It's it was it was fine. You know, it was a movie for kids, and my daughter's a huge animal yeah. fan, so it had a Dennis Quaid do, in do it, they, so that was pretty cool. Do they dive into like the the ethos of was it like Buddhism or whatever of of reincarnation? No. Okay. <laughs> I was like that could be cool, but <laughs> so it wasn't right. that deep. All right. <laughs> All right, Alex. Who did you pick? Uh, so for Copper Kid, Copper Kid was always a joke. He, he was always just mm. causing problems, and he, so when I when I th- envisioned a movie for Copper Kid, I saw this scene where he's being he's being attacked by a whole bunch of people who are underestimating them. And then Copper Kid just wails on them. And so um, I I wanted someone who could be acrobatic as well and could do all the, um, uh, you know, some great stunts. And uh, I also went with a female actress um, who we know from Logan. I went with Daphne Keene. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's funny. I even kind of thought of her at some point. But yeah, that's uh, we're definite fans of Daphne Keene. Yeah. So um, that's that's a good call. Have you guys watched what is that show? She, she's on a show with yeah. with Lin Manuel Lin Manuel Miranda. His yeah, His Dark Materials. Uh, that's what it's called. His Dark Materials. I have not. So it's on. It's on no. HBO Max. It looks like right. Now. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I have not seen it. It's. I mean, it's it's based off of. Okay, what was that movie with Nicole Kidman? The, go- the Golden Compass. Yeah, it's based on the Golden Compass. Oh, um, and, and that entire book series. I I didn't really uh, watch it. My wife did watch the whole series, or at least the whole first season. I think the second season is coming out mm-hmm. soon. And I think she really enjoyed it because I think she read the Golden okay. Compass. Because I remember she made me go see that movie when it came out, and then was sorely dis- disappointed by it. Yeah. So, but I think she's the lead in that. So yeah, I, cool. Looks like, okay, yeah, good for her. I mean, she's awesome. Yeah. So. God, I really would love to see her come back as X twenty three. I really would. Yep, that that would be a, a a really cool thing if 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 MCU brought her back. Yeah. Yep. Okay, let's go on to Steel Will, which I I couldn't remember. I, Steel Will and Steel Heart are siblings, but are they twins? No, I, in 
Because they kept they, in they the were, episode they referred to them as in the, the twins. episode I saw. She she said, "Here's my younger brother." I could have sworn. Yeah, I heard but I've that. heard twins talk about that too because one is obviously born yeah. before the other one, so they'll refer to themselves that way. Because yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure they always they because they refer to them as the twins several times. Okay, so then maybe yeah. I'm I'm I went with that. So anyway, Same. yeah. All right, Ad- that's fine. I mean, mine mine can play siblings or twins. Okay, well, sure. Uh, all right, Adam. Then who did you go with for? St- we'll do a steel will. Yeah, I didn't go for a stretch. Um, these people are all cyborgs and and you know have Cybertronic stuff. Who's been playing actually? I think a pretty decent cyborg recently. Yeah, I think he actually one of the few that I think did an actual good job on, in his role in Justice League. I went with Ray Fisher as my steel will. Okay, nice. Not a stretch. <laughs> I mean, he's six three, so he can still be pretty impending. Yeah. So yeah. I think you meant imposing. What did I say? Impending. Impending, impending doom, imposing. <laughs> Whatever. Don't, 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 don't try and tell me. All right. Uh, Alex, who'd you go with? For Steel Will, I actually, I casted Steel Heart first. I knew who I wanted, and so I needed to find someone who would be a good twin. Uh, so I needed someone, you know, muscular and, and you know, apparently impending. Uh, so <laughs> I went. <laughs> oh, damn uh, I went with Max Huang, who will, I think he's going, he's a martial artist and he's going to be playing Kung Lao in the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie. I mean, yeah, you don't need to have like the big bulky steel will. You can have someone who does like the more martial arts style, if that's what you're looking for. And he can still be super impending. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> he's done a lot of stunts too. So that's good. So. All right. So for me, I also kind of casted my steel heart first and then chose my steel will appropriately. Uh, I didn't go with probably the biggest guy, but you know, if, if, it's gonna be if he's a cyborg, you can add mass anyway. Um, I've actually mm-hmm. cast this guy before, but he I thought he was gonna work really well. Uh, I went with an actor named Trevor Jackson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been on. Um, was it Gronish? Yeah, he was on Gronish. Yeah, that's that's kind of what. It, yeah, we we used him. I think we both had Superfly. Yeah. I definitely recognize him. Um, I've seen him before. I think I've cast him before, and you've cast him before. and So, yeah. yeah. Fine. Right. He's solid. All right. Well, let's go sure. on to Steel Heart then. Uh, Alex, why don't you start us off with that one? Sure. Um, for Steel Heart, uh, I knew I kind of knew who I wanted almost immediately because uh, I've, I've really enjoyed – I really enjoyed watching uh, her in Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, because of all the things that she does. So – my steel heart was uh, is Chloe Bennett. Oh, who yeah. Played, yeah, who played uh, Quake on yeah. uh, Marvel's Agents? I like Shield. that. Yeah, John and I were both Agents of Shield fans as well. Um, I want to see her continue on being like a, a lead and a lead action actress. I think that's a great call to to put her in this one. Yeah, Very I cool. I um we we did it, did anyone else watch that final season? Yeah, I just I watched it. I thought it was uh, I actually thought it was really good. Which was, I enjoyed it. Which was I, I, actually we. It turned out we watched it and then we realized we'd missed a whole season. <laughs> oh, we had skipped gosh. a season and we're like, wait, what is going on here? So I actually still haven't the season, the previous season to this last one. I still haven't seen. I didn't know what happened. I think it's because the the middle seasons kind of took a dive for me, and I kind of lost interest. So, but the the last one I thought was fantastic. Uh, I I think they, they did some good things there and they tied it in with the MCU kind of and it, it was yeah. it was enjoyable and I think I think this the whole cast I mean you could cast a lot of the uh actors from Marvel's Agent of Shield and put them straight here into Silverhawks 
uh, I had to resist doing that, actually. <laughs> True. Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think of it. Yeah, absolutely. Some of these people would have been, would be perfect for Silverhawks. Yeah, I stopped. I can't remember what season I stopped at. It was, it was getting kind of crazy with some stuff. And so I, I, I'm probably like the last two or maybe even three seasons I haven't seen, but I, I need to, you, I need to check. I didn't watch the, that one that I missed, but my wife did. And she said it was actually a pretty good season. So I think okay. if you, if yeah. you power through it, you'll probably be rewarded in the end. You're worth it. Cool. Uh, all right. I'll Sounds jump good. in with mine. Um, and this one I picked, I've actually cast her before. Um, but she's, she's kind of doing, she's been, uh, she's been around for a while. She's done, she did a bunch of, um, Disney stuff when she was younger. So she kind of grew up on that and she is currently in the show Black Lightning. I went with China and McLean. Oh yeah. She would be great. Okay. So she's doing some action stuff. Yeah. Oh, and the descendants too. That's that Disney stuff that she was kind of been, been doing as well. Yeah. Uh, cool. I've ne- I haven't seen Black Lightning. Have either of y'all seen it? Is it any good? I I watched like half of the first season, and then I got I kind of got so numb to all of those Berlantiverse shows that I kind of stopped watching all of them. Mm-hmm. Same. Yeah. I, I think I watched the first half of Black Light first season of Black Lightning. I tried. Like, I'll watch the big crossover episodes because um, those are yeah. kind of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I've I've kind of lost interest in a lot of it. It's too. But, she, but she's great. It's too soap opera y for me but all right adam okay uh all right and for my steel heart um has to be kind of i guess the twin or and she's actually close to i think only a two or three years difference from ray fisher uh she has been in mad max fury road she has been in uh x-men first class but and the divergent series but i think her casting as the upcoming catwoman in the batman movie mm. Uh, really seals it for me for her to be a, I think, a pretty strong action actress. I went with Zoe Kravitz as my steel heart. That's a good call. She's doing some yeah. pretty good stuff, so I can't argue with that. She, that yep, that, like that was my thought, too. All right, Bluegrass. I'm interested to see how this one goes. <laughs> so uh, you probably I'm going to go first because I, I have a feeling Adam's not going to like my casting. Uh, probably not. Um, so, <laughs> uh, because it is music related, I was like, oh, I want to find a, a, a musician actor who's done stuff. And, you know, if we were casting this, um, like 20 years ago, I might've used like Chris Christopherson or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I want, cause he can actually act. He's a good actor and he's a country. Yeah. Singer. So I did go with a country singer who has been acting and he's 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 not young i think he's definitely in his 40s maybe even his 50s at this point but he still he looks a little bit younger so that was part of the reason plus he's he's got a little bit more acting credits um i went with tim mcgraw yeah i i I don't love that but i just because i i don't think he's much of a yeah he's 53 years old but he's still yeah he can look young enough I saw uh, in, the girl I was dating in college made me watch that movie Flicka that he was in, oh. and I wanted to gag myself. Um, he was in The Blind Side, though. I thought, uh, which I, I never saw. Okay. I, saw, I haven't seen The Blind Side. So maybe he was better in that one. But in Flicka, I was like, you you can't act for shit, Tim McGraw. So, um, I, But he is a country singer. 
I, I could see it. I I think I considered for a moment, but I was like, no, everything I've seen him acting, he's just, I don't see him as an action star, but he would be sitting a lot in the Mirage, so <laughs> right. it's... He's a pilot. <laughs> I, I, I could I could see it. Okay, I will, I will take uh, your pity. <laughs> <laughs> I will take it. All right, uh, Adam. Okay, so Bluegrass, obviously... Is going to be playing a lot of country music. I did not go with a country music star. You know, I kind of want. I was going to say for someone he is for somebody who's modeled after country music. He did not play country music. He played like eighties yeah, no, air metal. Yeah, <laughs> very true. I wanted my bluegrass because he's kind of he's kind of silly. Yeah, he's kind of fun. You know, he kind of brings that 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 vibe to me, at least from what I saw from the from the episodes. Um, and so my actor. Now, granted, he has done some music, I think. I think he, maybe he's sang. I don't think he's a particularly good singer. Did you go with Eddie Murphy? <laughs> oh, I, my, my bluegrass is going to party all the, all the time. That's exactly how he's party all the time. No, I went with um, still going to be bluegrass, still going to be playing. like I'd rather maybe play a little bit more country music and have like that twang. But I think this guy would be, it'd be so fun casting him in that silly uh, role. I also want him to direct the film. Hmm. I went with Taika Waititi as my bluegrass. Oh, that's that's a that's a fantastic pick. Isn't isn't that he's silly enough? He I think he's got like the uh, the vibe and and just he. I'd love to see him just being like a obsessed with country music <laughs> and, and having a hat and just being silly and yeah and and give him give him reins to direct it. Yeah, I I, cool. I could see that. I think that'd be great. <laughs> cool. All right, I'm more excited about that apparently than Alexis. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. John's like, that is fantastic. <laughs> Alex like, eh, it's, I mean, it's a casting. Like, yeah. Well, thanks Alex. I, that was easily, that's my favorite casting of mine that I had. Cause I kind of went out of the box and I think I nailed it, but nope. No, well, I did you pick. Oh no, no. Your, yours is far superior. Truth be told, because mine is mine I, with bluegrass. I kind of, I, I went with someone who can be a space cowboy and we've seen that he can be musical. Um, and it's almost it was it was almost uh, just a little easy to pick him um, for for my bluegrass. I went with Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah, yeah. That's not. I mean, that's a good call. A, yeah, I I, I probably like that one better than Tim McGraw because I mean Bradley Cooper can sing. Yeah. He proved that in um in that. It's thing. a much safer call. I mean, you're gonna have much more yeah, draw with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, mine is definitely safe. So I, I think uh, Adam, you you've got this one. Yeah, that one's uh, <laughs> Woo. yeah out of the box. <laughs> Uh, all right. All right, Quicksilver. Yeah, Quicksilver was kind of the Cyclops of this group. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Kind of the the all-American wet blanket, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why uh, I went with an actor who's not exactly playing a wet blanket, but he is kind of playing that kind of all-American looking dude. Even though it, God, the the backstory that he's going through right now, or or the the change in his character is fantastic to watch because it's like a freaking meltdown. Uh, I went with Homelander himself, Anthony Starr. Home- oh yes, yes. See, I've still only watched like the first two episodes of <laughs> of the, the boys. boys. I need to I need to watch more. Oh yeah, he looks great. Uh, he would be great. Yeah, for Quicksilver. That's a good. I mean, call. he's just you know a standard looking dude. You know, he's he's playing kind of a similar yeah. role as a as a leader of a team. He could totally do it, you know. He doesn't have any yeah. particular quirks or anything, so. No. Uh that's very wet blanket. <laughs> yeah. 
I like it. All right, Alex, who did you go with? So originally for Quicksilver, I, you know, same thing. He's just very kind of a flat character. And so I almost, I almost went with, uh, with Henry Cavill because, you know, he's Superman. Mm -hmm. He would fit Mm -hmm. the part. Great. And I was like, no, that's too much. And uh, it's too, too on the nose. So I I searched who looks like Henry Cavill. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it, it, I got a result, which I was happy with. Um, And so my Quicksilver is, is Matt Bomer. Oh Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Was it suits or white collar? Yeah, I I used him I think in something somewhat recently, and yeah, he he's a that's a good call. He does have that Henry Cavill look. Yeah, no, that's that's good. He's um, what was it? It was white collar. Magic Mike. What is that? What you seen him in, John? No. Magic Mike. White collar. No, most uh, most. It was Magic Mike XXL. My bad, I forget. <laughs> that's what I've still never him. seen either of those. Um, but no, he's been in Doom Patrol and doing really good stuff there too. So. Yeah, that's what it is. Yep, yep. He's negative. No, not not angry about that pick at all. That's, that's a, a solid one. one. All right, uh, Adam, are we on you? Yep. Yeah, my Quicksilver. Uh, I kind of actually had the exact same thought as Alex did. My first name I wrote down was Henry Cavill, but I didn't want to go with him. I've gone with him before and other stuff. So I wanted someone else who I felt could be a good leading man, or it's like an up and coming leading man, someone who I I haven't cast before. Um, he has acted alongside Henry Cavill in that um, Enola Holmes movie. Mm. You know, I, he, I think he's got leading man good looks, and he's done action stuff with The Hunger Games. Um, he's also was in Snow White and the Huntsman. Uh, I went with Sam Claflin as my Quicksilver. Oh, yeah, he was in he was in Hunger Games as, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah Finnick O'Dare was uh, his character, but he's in, yeah, multiple hun- um, of the Hunger Games stuff, so... Oh, I yeah. Think. Or he's in, yeah, he's in Mockingjay and Catching Fire. I mean, he's he's kind of, yeah, he's leading man-esque to me, and so I think he could probably do that. Okay. Maybe bring a little bit of uh, lightheartedness to the character, too, because he kind of has that look cool. of, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm an okay person. <laughs> yeah, he's an, he's an okay person. <laughs> I can be yeah. fun. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, we're finally at Commander Stargazer. Uh, Alex, since you were the guest, I'm going to let you have last word on this. So we're going to start with Adam. Uh, the very first, looking at Commander Stargazer, he's kind of bald. He's got like half his face kind of, mm-hmm. you know, with a, another eye. And I, I immediately went to Michael Ironside. And I, don't I know did the same thing. That's yeah. I didn't pick. I didn't pick him, even though I love him. And maybe, maybe if this was ten years ago, yeah. I would have gone Iron Ironside. Yeah. Uh, so. I went with an actor who is a little bit younger, but who has very similar look to the actual like cartoon version. He can definitely kind of have a good voice as needed as like, you know, a commander and can be angry. He was definitely angry when he was on the show, the shield. I went with Michael Chiklis as my stargazer. Okay. Uh, that is a very interesting pick. Cause I also went with <laughs> hey! Mr. Michael Chiklis. We both started off iron exactly. and went to Chiklis. And the exact same thought process. <laughs> I, That's fantastic. I went to Ironsides and was like, he's great, but he's 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 a little too old at this point for something like this. We need to bring yeah. it back. I was like, you know what? Chicklist did such a good job on those. I think he'd be worth it. So good call, yeah. Adam. I liked your pick. Woo! Good call, John. <laughs> uh, all right, uh, Alex. You, now um, you're going to have to so- wow us because Adam and I are, are simpatico right here. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, I don't know if I'm going to go. 
I don't know if I'm going to wow you, but we'll see. Um, so for Star, uh, Commander Stargazer, his office, his look, and it, it very much reminded me of like an old film noir detective. Um, and so I wanted someone who kind of could mm. look like that and someone who could definitely be a great ball buster. Um, and so I went uh, with a, a, an actress uh, who is Ooh. super tough. Um, who could uh, definitely be in that leadership role. Um, and so for my commander, Stargazer, I went with Gina Torres. Oh, yes, from Firefly. Uh-huh. Yeah, she is such a badass in that show. Yeah. She can absolutely lead these these chumps. I like you know, I mean, It's hard for me to say a bad word about her. I've, I've used her before in a casting. I think maybe John has, I think too. So. It was yeah, the, she's it, all, she's awesome. And with her, it was almost it was between her and Ming Na Wen, but because Chloe Bennett, I had mm. Chloe Bennett. I went with Gina Torres because I think both yeah. of them would have done. You, you didn't want to do too too much Agents of Shield. I got that's that. fine. I, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have been upset if either of them were cast, yeah. but yeah. I like I like the Gina Torres the I, I like that angle a lot actually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's Adam good. and I went that's, for that's on the call. nose, and you went out of the box, and out of the box in the best possible way. I think. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I am all about that. Uh, all right. Um, before we go, uh, Alex, I just wanted to tell you um, thank you so much for being a patron, and thank you so much for yes. uh, for reaching out for us. I, I, I really can't understate how much it actually has meant to us having you as uh, mm-hmm. uh, as one of our fans, and I like to think now one of our friends. Oh, <laughs> yes. Definitely. Friends of the show. Uh I- I want to I want to drop out or drop in and thank you so much for you put in so much like legit knowledge to space. Oh, Camp, God. Yeah. Because we're just like talking shit about the movie and you were like <laughs> saying so much real stuff that actually made it uh, much better of a podcast episode. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm well, I'm happy to be here. And I'm, you know, this has been fun and I, I've enjoyed listening to you guys since the very beginning. And it's, uh, you know, I. I keep listening and I'm learning new things. You know, one I love behind the scenes stuff, how things get made. I don't care how the sausage is made. I like it. I want it. I mean, like I want to see it. So, you know, hearing, hearing the behind the scenes, getting the, the insight into editing, the insight into music. I'm now watching movies and TV shows a different way because of this podcast. And that's, that's a neat, oh, nice. a neat thing to have. I, uh, I never once thought we were going to have somebody who actually listened to us for three years. That's insane. <laughs> you, you obviously have some issues, but we thank you for it, Alex. You're awesome. Absolutely. And, uh, uh if, if I can do one small plug, of course, then, yes, please. Um, you know, a lot of people think, you know, space camp is for kids, but uh, Space Camp is absolutely for anyone. Um, starting at the age of seven, there are family camps where you can go for a weekend with, you know, some kids. You, there's adult programs. There's educator programs. There's Space Camp for visually impaired kids. You know, I, I've actually taught a couple wow. of times. You know, there are kids who are completely blind who have gone through Space Camp. We did hearing impaired. Um, the oldest Space Camp camper that uh, I've worked with and my wife worked with was 88 years old. So really, you know, for anyone here who's who loves nostalgia, which if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously love nostalgia and thought (laughs) about all those times. Oh, I wish I could have gone to space camp. I wish I could have won that. Space camp is still a thing. It's in Huntsville, Alabama, spacecamp.com. It's it's a great program. So go for it. 
Yeah. Awesome. We need to bring back those uh, kids game shows that gave away trips to space camp. Like that <laughs> needs to be the thing. It happens from time to time. Every once in a while, I think there there have been some promotions where there were trips to space camp being given away. See, well, we awesome. need to find them. I'm glad that's still a thing. Yep. All right, and that was our casting of a Silverhawks movie. Please join us next time for another album review episode. Yes, this is Adam's voice. I'm a little sick right now. Uh, but in the next episode, John and I go over the Sean Colvin album, Cover Girl. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then... Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back.